Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, this is what we're doing. We're going really modern. I got it. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome to the We Are Driven podcast, where we equip you with the tools to succeed in your pursuit of excellence in business, fitness, and cars. This is episode 86. My name is Arun Kumar, and I am the driver, and I'm not sick, but I'm here with my co-host, Dan LaRue. How are you, Dan? Uh, good morning, Arun. Good morning, <laughs> listeners. Uh, you know, we recorded a couple days ago, and on that that episode, I said I was feeling kind of under the weather. Um, I'm feeling much worse today. <laughs> um, if I go in and out, it's because I'm trying not to hack up my lung on this recording. So, uh, you know, Arun, help me, please. So uh, I recorded a driven network lecture last night and i was extremely tired and i did not want to do it and i felt uninspired and had been beat down by the day and was just mentally not happy but that doesn't stop the world from continuing to progress onwards and frankly if i have the option between keeping my word and doing something that i said i was going to do even if it initially feels like it's going to suck or just saying, no, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it later. Nobody will know if I don't do it. That is just going, that's a violation of yourself. It's a violation of trust. It's a violation of ethics. It's a violation of integrity for yourself. And it's important to live up to the standards you set for yourself whenever possible. And so... Dan, I think you're setting an excellent example of that today. Uh, <laughs> just, especially just showing up and pushing through it. <laughs> showing up and pushing through, especially when this is something that's not exactly high impact. Yeah. So I don't think you're going to be injuring yourself. No. Uh, yeah. Unless, uh, you know, my throat feels more on fire later, which it may, but I'll get over it. That's not really an injury. That's just yeah. temporary pain. Yeah, pain right. is weakness leaving the body. You'll be fine. <laughs> Sorry, I, I I took some Mucinex with a acetaminophen in it like thirty minutes ago, so I'll be. So fine. you're you're actually feeling great now. <laughs> All right. So quick reminder for those of you who are loyal listeners to the show, you will have heard this many times, and you will continue to hear it because I appreciate when you do what I ask you to do, which is share the show. If you are able to convert one more person to the driven mindset and build this community into a global force that we believe that it can be, then you are making the world a better place. So I'd appreciate it if you told somebody from your business life, your fitness life, or your automotive life who can buy into this lifestyle and join us in the realm of being driven. With that, we'll go on to Dan's automotive news. Should we change the name of the se segment? Automotive auto news? news? Is that Dan's auto news? <laughs> Instead of fun fact, I don't know. This is kind of kind of where it landed because there was <laughs> there was some fun auto news there for a while, but you know, as we've gotten to the fourth quarter, it's been kind of slowing down. I think just like EV sales, it looks like. Um. Anyway, Tesla recalled two million vehicles for autopilot safety flaws. I think we briefly touched on that uh, on the last episode about how they like run into cones and stuff. At least you said it. Yeah. I Well, I know of two people that have run into basically the temporary side lanes, mm -hmm. lane lines that are 
actually solid objects. <laughs> right. And uh, 2 million vehicles is a lot. Yeah, that's about how many drive past my shop every day here. Two miles two, from two, two million. <laughs> yeah, two million. I think because well, because I'm I'm counting you know nine car haulers that are full of Teslas that are oh, going that oh, are going oh, everywhere oh. in the country yeah, from yeah right, here. right 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 yeah but I mean over the course of them being released, I mean I I'd be curious to know like is that all of them with autopilot? Is that like <laughs> a small fraction? Is it half? Like I, I good point. Yeah, fair enough. I'd be I, curious well, to know. I mean, I know like. The the one we have does not have autopilot. Autopilot, yeah. But technically, they all do. They all have the hardware. Yeah, just it's just a matter if they turn it on. Yeah. Right. So hard to say. Yeah. Really, it, it's interesting. And then uh, I saw some videos today of the Tesla Cybertrucks doing some off roading, and um, their turn radius is terrible. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Like the, like they're going around this like hairpin, and they're making left turns, and the all three of them had to do a three-point turn. Yikes. Yeah, I'm like, don't these things have rear-wheel steer? And I'm confused. These have Extra worse turning radiuses than a normal truck. You know what car has a really good turning radius? Which one? Subaru Impreza's and Hyundai Sonata's. Yeah. Yep. I like uh, that you just know this, and you're like, yeah, I, I, I do agree. because I do because the when they made the Focus RS, that's another car that has insane turning radius. Oh, and they yeah. did it to compete with them. Oh, <laughs> yeah, not the Hyundai, but the Subaru. Yeah, I didn't know that about Hyundai's. That's interesting. I only know it because I own one. So <laughs> yeah, you found it might out catch fire at any moment, but I own it, and it's on my insurance. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, that is it for. Dan's auto news. Thanks for listening. I mean, that's, to... <laughs> that's the only fun thing going on in the news right now. All right. I got I got a really interesting auction for you this week. Why well, I All say right. that every week? Because this is this is what we do is we just find interesting cars. Or in this case, trucks. Oh god. But I think you're gonna like it. Even though you this is the wrong American truck. For you, it's a Ram, isn't it? <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> oh. I never. I'm look. There's a Ram parked outside my office right now, and a Ram parked next to it, and a Ram that left my shop yesterday that's already having problems. I never want to see a Ram again. <laughs> so it's a Tacoma. I have for you a 1969 Chevy K10 Custom 4x4 LT1 powered pickup truck. It is black. On black, regular cab, long bed. It's pretty. And it's for sale. You'll love this. It's for sale by a dealership in the Seattle area that is known for exotics and luxury cars. And they have a LT1-powered 1960s K10 Chevy truck that must have come in on trade. And now they're they're selling it on an auction site. thing is clean. So it is 4x4, like I said, 4-speed automatic, 5.7 liter LT1 on 33s, 4L80. I wish it wasn't a long dope. bed. Yeah, long bed does not help I don't. Case. I don't like the long bed, but I know a lot of people would. Ooh, the mm. dash, all glossy painted, like piano black dash. That's really nice. The seats look comfortable. Seats are heated, apparently. This thing's gone undergone a complete 
restoration. Yeah, I love that. Like of all the rust that could be on this truck, it's on the drive shaft. Yeah, <laughs> like of all places. Yeah, and yeah, it's a it's a very prominent seller. So I like that. The current bid thirty five thousand dollars. Auction ends in one day. Dan, um, what do you think? It's clean. I like it for Chevy. Oh goodness, I don't. I bet this thing goes for fifty. Fifty grand. All right. I'm probably way off on it because the market on these older vehicles is getting kind of weird, but (laughs) this is a really nice example and people are bidding. It's at 35. Yeah, it's at 35. I I mean, I could see 50 for it, but I could also see it at like 40. So it like, I I think (laughs) that the range on some of these older thing, older vehicles are, are getting tougher. I don't know, I think the cells are harder. All right. All right. So, uh, we discussed before we started recording that you were going to give me a Ferrari. Yeah. A new Ferrari. A new Ferrari that had never been sold on the website that I was looking at. So, I was like, eh, I thought that might be a little rude. It's a little I, research. And I figured, yeah, we if it's a new car, it's easy enough to find what they're usually listed at, at least. I could have gone yeah. on to another, you know, automotive sale listing platform and found. Sure. Comps, but I gave but, you, but I found a newer car. Newer. It's even newer. Yeah. Like, so, you know, that Ferrari was a 2022. This one's a 2024. Oh, God. <laughs> And this is this is in a rune car, kind of. BMW. It's a, it's a BMW M2 six speed manual. Oh boy. And it's in uh Ooh. that uh <laughs> Zandvoort blue. blue, which I really <laughs> like. I love this car actually. I, a, I a lot. Like, I don't like that color. Oh, I love it. That's I would drive I'd drive the crap out of it. This is a uh, dumb, dumb color. Um uh, it is uh, it's five hundred and two miles. This is brand new. Literally brand new car. They must have just really not liked it. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, maybe. I I think they're a flipper, to be honest. Um, it's you know the it's the three liter twin turbo in line six. Um it was sixty seven grand in suggested retail price this year. It's currently it bid at thirty two and a half with two days ago. Um, I didn't see that information, <clears throat> but, uh, I love it. I love this car. I think it's cool. I wouldn't buy it, buy it. All right. So today, this is actually some like really it. good market commentary actually. So this thing had a window sticker of 67, mm-hmm. 502 miles. There's another manual Zandvoort blue m2 for sale right now with 1300 miles for 66 yeah so the way i'm looking at this car is you know a few episodes ago you gave me the dark horse yep and i think that this car falls into that same category of 
Is the market now stagnant on these very special vehicles? But is this very special? I, I, I mean, to me, as a non-BMW fan, yes. And I say that, <laughs> and I say that because it's a manual. Yeah, but I don't even think. And it's a, a weird, it's a weird trippy color. Like the resale on that color is, is is higher than you know a normal like black BMW. But okay, so I searched online for. 2024 manual M2s for sale. Is there a lot of them? Yeah. Interesting. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Like, there's 10. I w- I'm surprised that BMW made that many. I'm, there's there's 10 people out there that would order one. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm one of them. Yeah. That's the only way I'd uh, buy an M2, knowing that they have a manual. Right. Well, and it's good they do. But, yeah, I mean... Take take it for what you will. I just don't think it's that special for one, but for two, it's a it's a new BMW. And yeah, there are plenty of people who want a manual, brand new BMW. Mm-hmm. But I think there are more people who want a E9X M3 manual. Oh, I agree. So I agree. But it, you, but when I look at the cost of this car. Versus the Dark Horse, I'd rather have this all day long. All day. For the same money, basically. For the same money, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Even though the Dark Horse is more powerful, sounds better. I, dude, I, I, would, would, argue I would argue that. I bet the 3.0 sounds way better. No way. Coyote? You, Look, I'm, I, you, you know I'm a Coyote guy, and I like the sound of these inline sixes. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my final answer is nah. Um, okay, 65,000. 65, okay. I think that's a very vanilla guess for a very vanilla car. I, I bet that's under the reserve on this thing. You think? For yeah. 67 new? I, I, I bet the reserve on it is 67 and a half. <clears throat> well, he ain't getting it. No, he's not. No. Uh, uh, I wonder, you know, this is one that maybe it was approved a long time ago for Bring a Trailer. I mean, what uh, our auction platform of choice, and <laughs> <laughs> and and you know it's been hard to get it actually active in the auction for whatever reason, because sometimes they'll they'll wait thirty sixty days between approval and actually listing. Well, I mean, it was purchased in September. Oh, so maybe. So, so, well, that's. I mean, it's I. It's possible. Yeah. I don't know. I just think uh, I think the market's weird on these very specific vehicles, and yeah, I just don't okay. think they they bring what owners think they do anymore. Yeah, because they would have yeah. last year this time. Uh yeah. Man, I I just want to talk about cars all day, but <laughs> we got something serious this this week. Well, hold on one second here. Oh, we need to update. We can't. I mean, we, we can update mine. I'm very <laughs> proud of it. <laughs> and, okay, I don't th- so, and I don't think that yours is going up. We have an hour so, to go. So to the listeners, we recorded last Sunday's release two days ago. And we picked auctions 
Well, I picked an auction intentionally that was going to end before this recording, which was already scheduled. Yeah, Dan, Dan wasn't paying attention when he picked it. Dan but... wasn't paying attention, and he picked an auction <laughs> that's not done yet. It will end in an hour, but we're not going to be recording in an hour. So we will not be able to update you listeners on the call, call, podcast, as to the results of my guess for the GT500KR that was for some reason bid way higher than all the most recent examples. Which is why I'm convinced it's not going any higher. So we think it's not going any higher. And in that case, I will get a 15% delta between my guess and the current bid of 240000 However, Dan, although I still hold the record for the closest bid ever, yeah, Dan was very, very close this week with the R32 Golf that I gave him. His guess was $48,000, and this one went for $46,500 for a difference of $1,500 or 3%. Now, the, one. the record still held by me <laughs> was... Let me let me just extend the decimal points on my little model here to see. So I was off by 0.14% on a Countach. No, that's yeah, the Countach. <laughs> on a yeah. Countach about four months ago. <laughs> that, yeah, and that was surprising because that thing was expensive as shit. Yeah, I guess seven hundred thousand and went for six ninety nine. Yeah, that thing was <laughs> so expensive. Um, but nevertheless, I will hold that crown as if I won the final championship game in my <laughs> senior year of the high school football team. I'm going to carry that trophy with me forever. <laughs> By the way, there isn't actually a trophy. There's just my my bragging rights to literally one other person in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just text you about it in ten years and be like six ninety nine. God, I hope this K ten goes for fi- fifty grand. <laughs> now, then and I'll then shut up. Rub it in next episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what was I just saying about needing to get serious? I think that's yeah. Now we need saying. to get serious. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. You approve? Getting yeah, serious? I approve. Right. We can move on now. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Dan, for your You're permission. Welcome. Okay. You're welcome. So this episode <laughs> this episode is intended to speak to people who at some point in their lives, whether currently or in the past couple of years or 15 years ago, sought out a very prestigious career with a big brand, big name company that pays a lot of money and it provides great opportunities for growth and learning in your career. They're exciting and popular companies to know about. And so in my area, that means you go to work for Facebook or you go to work for Morgan Stanley or Microsoft. Or if you're in the accounting world like me, you go and work for PwC or EY or Deloitte. Not that last one. (laughs) And as a result of doing that, you're fighting and clawing your way through these really, really rigorous interview processes and you're polishing up your resume and you're getting internships and you're doing everything you need to do in order to get those kind of jobs. And you are programmed a certain way by your professors and your career counselors. And you can hear by the words I'm using that I am mostly talking about how you are indoctrinated in college to go to one of these types of businesses. And Even in my MBA program, they talked a lot about 
going into management consulting or going into investment banking, or going into corporate strategy or some sort of really, really prestigious sounding job with a big company so that you can continue to bolster their employment placement rates and they can advertise to prospective students that attending this school will help you get into this amazing job of your dreams. Now, as a business owner who hopes to have a bigger business someday, I strive to have that level of fame when it comes to employment. I want people to faint to to seek out employment with my business to that level because I want it to be such a good opportunity to work here. However, a lot of these companies, a lot of them, this was my experience. This is the experience of a lot of other people in similar industries and similar types of companies who stay for three years, no more. They get burnt out and they leave because they're not happy with the work. This is a warning to those to those of you who are earlier in your path and can use this as an inform, informative opportunity for you to see what it's like on the other side and then be presented with another alternative option. So, I hope that all made sense. The word that I think defines people who fall into this category are disillusioned. And myself, very, very much included in this. I was heavily disillusioned by the time I had been working for uh, the company I went to work for right out of college before I actually graduated. I was disillusioned because I did an eight-week internship and thought, "Is is this what it is? I'm not very happy about this. It's yeah, like, I never, I never had the uh, the opportunity to even like look at falling into that. Like it just wasn't ever on the table. Maybe it's because if I had, I'll, I'll, if I hadn't moved to Nebraska, I probably would have ended up at like one of the big three doing something, mm-hmm. which is like there. It's like even earlier than college. Shoot, it's high school. They try and start poaching kids right right out of high school. Well, and what are they what are they selling you on? Oh, that you'll just have this great job that you know you'll be unionized, you'll be making six figures in five years with vacation, and 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 that's if you just go to the factory line. And then if you're going into like an engineering degree in a college in the Toledo Detroit area, yeah, mm-hmm. they're gonna try and sell you on going to the big three. Okay, there you go. So yeah, same thing applies even before. Yeah, so that's a great point that, you know, this is the side I was not aware of is the factory line workers being advertised something very similar by big companies. And so actually to that point, there are billboards and YouTube ads and all different sort of marketing targeted towards people becoming Amazon warehouse workers Mm -hmm. because you can learn another language with the perks that you get. You can have flexible hours and work nights if you want. It's an easy job where they take safety as a really high priority, even though you're, you know, man in a forklift all day. You get to drive one of those really cool Rivian vans. Ooh. <laughs> uh, so, but, but yeah, I never, never really had the corp the big company big corporate you know disillusion pitfall presented in front of me but maybe 
Maybe it's just because I I avoided it by moving. Maybe it's maybe it's when because did you I move I, again. Huh? When? What? At what age did you move? Eighteen. So right after high school. Yeah. So I graduated in May and then moved in August of thirteen. Okay. Yeah. So you know maybe it's because I only did a couple of years of college. I I don't know. Just never fell into it. You just somehow you you fell down the. The plinko of life. <laughs> yeah, I I just chose some different pathing. Yeah, I guess. you just somehow dodged because you're saying you you were or at least some of your peers were presented with the, the high school level factor. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There, I have friends today working for the big three. All right. So and numerous. And you you had that opportunity as well. I yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I more I have more friends from my childhood that are working for those factories than I can count on my hands. So. Dang. Yeah. So what yeah. what do you think kept you away from it? Was it just you you knew you were going to be moving to Nebraska? Yeah, oh yeah. Even from before you graduated. Yep. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, we know I knew, go, I knew I was leaving. Go back and listen to Dan's story, the episode early on in in our podcast feed, if you want to hear more about why he moved to Nebraska. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I ended up working for a big corporate company. It in a way. Right, I guess yeah, sure. it, it was a little different. It wasn't you were a, you were a pretty independent subsidiary of a big company. Uh, yeah, yeah, still connected to them, but it was much different. It wasn't it wasn't like what your experience was. Yeah. All right. So, yes, the money is pretty good, though it's not in the early days. Yes, the career opportunities are potentially really good, eventually, and if you play the political game correctly. Yes, you probably have more job security if you go in to work for a company that prides themselves on never laying anybody off, which kind of segments that this camp of prestigious companies, prestigious employers into two buckets. You've got either like professional services companies, banking, where they don't lay people off, but they just coach you out really aggressively. Sometimes they do, I guess, do layoffs. But then you have tech companies where they 100% do layoffs. Facebook, LinkedIn, Microsoft, all of them famously laying people off for the past couple of years, for sure. <clears throat> so, it's not necessarily safe. The pay gets good over time. Maybe it's good right out the gate for certain positions. And there are career opportunities to advance. However, there are a few things that I would say detract from the experience right off the bat you think you're going to work for this big big prestigious company you think it's going to be sexy you think that the work that you're going to do is going to be really enlivening and enlightening to your brain you think you're going to be connecting with all of these super high level people at the top echelons of society you think you're going to be in the know you think if you go work for one of these big three auto manufacturers that you'll be designing the next mustang like within two years or you'll be on the team that's designing the next Mustang. It's not always sexy. No, that's that's an exclusive team too. And the way you get on that team is it takes a long time. Yeah. And it takes a lot of relationship building with specific people. And you have to decide whether you want to build those relationships for the sake of getting a better job opportunity or even if, I should say, they are people you don't like. Which I think 
is a very soul-crushing thing to have to do. Where you can have an amicable relationship with somebody where you get along, you have to get along because you work together. That's one thing. But I mean, you have to really make friends with a person to the extent that they're going to give you what you want. Something that they know is scarce and desirable. You have to really get to a high level with that person in order to get what you want. Sometimes you fall into a place, and I believe this is a lot of people's career success stories who do progress up through a company, is A, they like everybody, they're really good at this, they have this skill set already, they don't even know what I'm talking about. And yeah, those people exist. I am not one of them. I don't know if Dan, are you one of those people? No. Dan is not one of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, or they just happen to get along really well with a lot of their bosses that were able to afford them really good opportunities. Because the alternative is either you go in there and you force yourself to become friends with somebody or you go in there and you try, but you fail to become friends with that person because you don't like the way they work. You don't like the way they talk. They say something about your mom whatever it is. And oh, they're getting slapped. Yeah. <laughs> you know what happens when you slap somebody in corporate America? You don't you get know. promotions. No, you, you get fired and you never get hired anywhere else. There you go. Uh, so it's not always sexy and you have to play that game. So there are three things that, that I think specifically I want to hit on here. Number one, the work can be very, very mindless. You will get hired by a big company and they got big because they're a good company. They're good at being a business. They're good at being profitable. They're good at making happy customers who are repeat business. They're good at bringing people in and providing them with a system to be able to do their job really well. I'm trying to build this, but I believe that there are companies that are way overly systematized so that you have no freedom to exercise your brain to do your job well. Mindless work. The opposite of exercising your brain to do your job well. Yeah, here's your job. Here's your job description. Here's your SOP. Don't deviate yes, from it. 100%. And in yeah. my wife's prior career, they had these things called work papers which on and of itself sounds quite boring. <laughs> but those work papers were not just, okay, I'm going to get out a piece of paper and I'm going to write down my work and I'm going to show you what it is that you're supposed to be doing or what it is that I did in order to come to a conclusion. It's a template that you fill out. And when I moved to London, I had to do work papers and I couldn't last two minutes without pulling my hair out doing work papers. So I quit within six months. <laughs> and, and I, yeah, I mean, more kudos to, to Evelyn for sticking it out for five years. And she, yeah, there's a lot more to the job than that, but there were a lot of work papers in those first couple of years that you had to get through. And it really yeah. is just a template that you're filling out. Yeah. Sign me out. <laughs> you're, getting the, you're getting the middle finger. <laughs> Okay, the next thing is that there is a defeatist and victimhood culture. There are businesses that are exceptions to this. I would say Amazon and Tesla are two, where you have a company that in the corporate side of things, so I, I am not referring to Tesla factories. I am not referring to Amazon warehouses. I am referring to software engineers at Amazon and hardware engineers at Tesla. Those 
cultures are cutthroat. If you are not working 60 hours a week and you are not producing for the company, you're going to fail. You're going to be castrated. Basically, you're going to be asked to leave. I don't know what word I was trying to say there, but you're going to be asked to leave. <laughs> yeah, I remember watching some documentaries on like early to like middle year-ish of Silicon Valley. And the amount of hours these guys would put in and the drugs that they would be on because of it <laughs> right, is just nuts. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And the alternative to this, so think about that culture. Yes, it may be nuts, but that culture produces real work. And for those who thrive in that environment, you know, we talk, we're, we're driven. We talk about working a lot and working hard to achieve our goals. Those companies have big visions, they have deadlines, and they're trying to push really hard to achieve things. Yes, there is the the note to say about working for the sake of work and just doing it because everybody else is doing it. And that's not what we're saying. We're saying that if you want to really truly earn something with your life, that it might take, it will take a lot of work. And so that's, that's one side of it. Don't go do drugs in order to get that work done. But the alternative I think is, is worse than that culture. The alternative is, do just enough to get by. Do just enough that you keep your job, hit the minimum level of acceptable performance, and just survive. And in a lot of companies, that bar is set very low. And if you have to make 10 widgets an hour, but it's you can you make a widget in one minute. Oh man. Oh man. Dang, <laughs> I, I got the, 50 minutes to do whatever I want. Yeah, or it's you got 50 minutes. You got 5 minutes per widget that you make to scroll Instagram or TikTok or bullshit with the guy next to you. Ugh. <laughs> I think the <laughs> life just got sucked out of the podcast <laughs> oh. describing this picture. Man, I was already clinging to life. What are you <laughs> doing to me? <laughs> Don't worry. There's an inspiring <laughs> end to this podcast. Okay. And the last thing is that a lot of companies will hire in excess because they can. And although I am not at this level yet, I want to be where there are business units within the company that are so profitable that they can prop up other units of the company. Those other units of the company may have days where there's nothing to do. But if you, and we've talked about this a lot, if you are a motivated person, if you want to make something of your life, then the last thing that you want to do is be sitting idle. But if you're getting paid the same amount, whether you're sitting idle or not, again, you're going to do the minimum level of acceptable performance. You're not going to strive to figure out how to fill your day. You're going to do just enough to get by. And if there's no work to do and the company doesn't care that you're not working because they're so profitable, then they'll just let you sit there. And that's how you completely waste away as a, as a mental specimen of a person that got that job in the first place. Like these are all really desirable jobs that we're talking about here, but it's easy to get in there and then have jack shit to do. And that's a waste of your, you and your ability and your life. Yep. And then, you know, you're comfortable for, you know, one to three years and a trailblazer comes through and they fire everybody. Because they're not doing anything. Or 
you quit because you're bored and you don't that feel too. like they're paying you enough because you're such a genius and <laughs> now you're going to go find a new company. And I forget the number. Let me look it up while we're talking here. Millennials. Oh, wait, we already went through this once before. Millennial uh, number of jobs in lifetime. 91% of millennials expect to stay in a job for less than three years. This means they will have 15 to 20 different jobs over the course of their careers. Shit, baby, I need to jump on the train. What am I doing wrong here? Baby boomer number of jobs in a lifetime. 12.3 jobs. instead and of. I'm not even keeping up with the boomers, man. <laughs> what is wrong with me? What generation am I falling into? Caveman. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess my own. Yeesh. Uh, the Dan generation. Let's see. McDonald's. Ballyhoo. Uh, Chrome enhancements. Oh, I, I have, yeah, three. You know? I, have, I have that many companies right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I have two companies. Like, that I guess accessory that parts too. So there's four. There you go. You know, um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, why not? Um, this is fun. Killing it. <laughs> McDonald's, right? Front of the list. Oh, man, dude, that was a job. <laughs> were there times where you were just sitting idle, though? Um, Me at McDonald's? Busy, busy McDonald's? Yeah, probably, man. As a 16-year-old kid, there was I was definitely fucking off. <laughs> <laughs> but they expect you to do that in that job, and that's why they pay you minimum <laughs> Yeah, wage. 100%, yeah. Okay, so... We've established that going to try to work for one of these big companies with prestigious job titles and prestigious career path opportunities and prestigious brands are not all that. They're not necessarily the opportunity that you want to be pursuing. So what are the alternatives? We've talked before about the fact that entrepreneurship is a fad, that 99% of people really shouldn't do it. There's not enough risk reward ratio in there to make it worth it. For most people, the time investment is too much of a sacrifice at the lowest possible level of entrepreneurship to make it worthwhile for you to build success. So where does that leave you? It leaves you with finding a company that has no prestige, that has minimal career prospects, that has maybe not as good of pay. But this is your opportunity. That's the key word here. This is your opportunity to build a career. I expect you listening to this podcast to be someone that wants to contribute, that wants to work, that wants to put forth a day's effort and see a day's results and be satisfied with it. And that at the end of the day, you can go home, you can put your head on the pillow and you can fall asleep knowing that you've actually done something today. Because I remember the days where I did not feel that, where I felt like, man, I did nothing today. And those are very hard days to get through. And I think that what I've just described for what a lot of these big companies present as an opportunity for you is that, that you'll get to the end of the day and you'll say, you know, I sat in a lot of meetings, but I said maybe 10 words, it's all remote work now. So I did it from home. I played video games in between meetings, watched YouTube, watched Netflix, 
didn't do anything productive today. I sent a couple of emails with attachments that I yeah, Life sounds attach. so easy. It sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it sounds good. It just sounds easy. And yeah, easy times create weak people. Mm-hmm. That's the part of that saying. Yep. So you will go through your life weak and useless and not producing anything. And your alternative, or I should say, when something goes wrong, you're going to get destroyed. <laughs> you're you're not going to make it. And we're not interested in saving you along the way. Because if you think back to survival times, whatever those look like, which we've neither of us have experienced really in our lifetimes. But think about it. If your boat is sinking and you're in the middle of the ocean, do you want the person who can swim on the boat or do you want the person who sends an email occasionally? You get the analogy. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's no different than sitting in a plane's exit row. Yeah. Do you want the guy that that listens to the flight attendant with his earbuds in? <laughs> well, mm, that's me. But yeah. I sit in a exit row every single flight. Yeah, so I, do I. And I know how to operate those doors. Yeah. When, <laughs> yes. Yes. Verbal like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, entrepreneurship maybe isn't for you. These big companies aren't for you because they're going to give you a life that you will hate. But you have an opportunity to go to work every day, contribute, be a part of a culture that is going to build you up as an individual. It's going to build up a enterprise that is going to contribute to society. And it has real promise and opportunity for you. So I think that what we need to go out and find if you're in this career path is an up and coming business. Now, first and foremost, Driven automotive companies is not an up-and-coming business. (laughs) We're coming. We're on our way, but we are not up. (laughs) So I am not referring to my own business here. Although I have to recruit employees under a similar basis to this, that there is opportunity, there is promise for growth. We're not proving anything yet. So I want you, for the sake of this conversation, to go find a company that has that long-term potential for growth and a proven operating model. And of course, I believe and I have faith in what we're doing here, but for the sake of this conversation, do not I'm not I'm not using the analogy of my own business right now. So how do you find one of these up and coming businesses? Look at companies whose brands are just starting to emerge into your awareness sphere. These are Instagram ads, they're billboards, they've got a new sign on a building near where you live or where you commute through or where you go grocery shopping. These are businesses that are perhaps doing something innovative, but perhaps not necessarily in a new industry or not necessarily in tech. And that's really key to this. The biggest growth opportunities for the next few decades, so for most of you listening, your entire career path is going to be in one of two sectors. Blue-collar jobs, blue-collar businesses, trades, or outsource services. So that's more back office, 
type work, back office services, some tech, but not necessarily tech. I'm thinking about even things like landscaping or janitorial services, but also uh, recruiting is a good example of a potential outsource service that you could get into. Call centers. Call centers. Call centers. Yeah, HR support, bookkeeping. Because a lot of these major companies, they outsource their call centers to someone else. So those are those are the sort of segments that you should be looking at. Look for up and coming companies with a decent growth trajectory over the recent years in one of those two segments. And then thirdly, they should work in person, not virtually. So find a company local to you or be prepared to move. And that shouldn't be too much to ask. It really shouldn't. Going into the office or going into work every day is something that Everybody in history has done forever. <laughs> I'd move in a heartbeat for the right job. Right. Absolutely. In a heartbeat. And then you'd have a tall garage. Yep. For that K10 that you're going to buy. <laughs> 50, 50 grand K10. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not the K10. All right, fine. Something close, though. A K2021 F250. There you go. <laughs> I saw an F, a 2020 Roush Super Duty in the color I want for sale in Ohio, and I want it. <laughs> but I told myself no, and I bought wheels for my truck instead. <laughs> it's a bit cheaper. <laughs> yeah, a little bit cheaper. Uh, um, all right, so why should you do this? Why should you even listen to us? Well, you, I've already, already hopefully given you a number of reasons as to why you should listen to us, but here's the cherry on top. Here is, here's the sweetener. Here's what it is that you're really chasing. You can go into a job. You can, you can shop around for jobs and you can focus on the number of the salary that you're going to get. And you can focus on the perks that are available, like the foosball table or the free lunches or the $150,000 starting salary right out of college. All options. That's hopefully that that comment ages well with inflation. But I don't want you to focus on that because there is so much opportunity out there with these smaller companies. So if you're thinking about what is possible for you in this big company, you can start at 150,000, you can get raises every year of somewhere between 5 and 15% that'll eventually climb you up to $300,000 a year. Then those raises kind of level off and now you're looking more at bonuses related to your performance and you're getting more incentivized by additional contributions and you find that you can't actually leave. You can't take a day off because your incentives are now based around team performance and the you're stuck in a leadership role or you're stuck in a position where you can't actually do anything except for work because every single call that you answer could mean an additional five, six figures. And that's how it can go when you're in one of these companies that you're based on performance. You're supposed to work all the time. That's the expectation. And now you're stuck and you're pigeonholed into a very specialized role where you're expected to work all the time. And your compensation will only go up from there based on your performance, which frankly, that is how it should be. But it comes with a certain culture in these companies because everybody who gets to that level knows that they did it because they put in a lot of time and they're expecting you to put in a lot of time, even if it doesn't actually move the needle on the business or your own compensation or performance or any other incentives you have tied to your job. 
So instead, focus on the opportunity and the growth and the blue sky in the company, the smaller company that you could go work for, where the market will grow with the business and put you in a position where you can earn much more money and much more in the way of satisfaction and ownership in a business and anything like that, just from the fact that the company is growing so rapidly. That's what gives you the opportunity. And it might not come at first because the company is needing to reinvest in itself. But over time, that is where there will be a bigger reward. So that's point number one. Point number two is you have an opportunity to actually work, actually answer difficult questions for yourself as a business. So if you're, and I, I did this as a TikTok, actually, a long time ago, I put out this TikTok that's actually still, it got a few thousand views on TikTok, I'm proud to say. If you want to earn a TRX, that was what the video was called, So You Want to Buy a Ram TRX. If you want a TRX, you got to earn it. If you want to finance it, you need to make a certain amount of money more per month in order to finance it. So how do you get that raise at work? And I came up with this hypothetical situation that you are a operations person. You work in operations in your company. And if you saved them 2% on shipping and they shipped $10 million a year, that's $200,000 a year in savings for that company. And if you need to make an additional $25,000 a year to be able to afford a TRX, you're in pretty good shape. You're going to do it. You're, you're going to be pretty easy to negotiate that raise. So that is how you go about doing real work is you say, how can I save my company 2% on shipping? That's a real business question that I want you to answer. That is something that you can go home at the end of the day and say, hell yeah, I did that. That's the only way I ask for raises in my job. Is by saying, here's the monetary... Yeah, he, yeah. Here, here's where I saved, or here's where we grew. Yeah, and now I want some of it. <laughs> yeah, no, now I want no, a piece. I, now I want to do this again over here. How do I get a piece of it? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <clears throat> so that that is what brings you satisfaction at work. And lastly... When you do this work that is more satisfying, you'll learn more. And so where before you're sitting on the bench, you're waiting for work to come in, or you're doing mindless work, filling out templates, you're not learning what you could be learning, doing work that is answering real business questions, using critical thinking skills, doing more to really crack the code of what's going to make your business successful. When you are thinking about those things, you're having to do research, you're having to ask questions, you're having to go talk to different functional areas in the company, then you're having to solve the problem. And you will learn so much more from that experience instead of just cranking through 15 work papers or equivalent. Yeah, Stamped if you're not, door skins. Yeah, if you're, not, uh, if you're not putting yourself in the position to learn, then the next thing you'll know, you'll be 45 and way behind the curve, you know, you know, trying to find a new skill. Yep. So 
that's why you should do it. So let me let me recap here. A lot of these big companies advertise prestigious job opportunities where the pay is really good, the perks are really good, the learning opportunities supposedly are amazing. You're going to meet all of these high-level people. You're going to have massive security. You might have a union. There's all kind of benefits that they advertise. But you get into those kind of jobs and you find that the work is mindless. There's a defeatist culture where nobody is trying to move up. Nobody's trying to make the company better. And there might not even be any work for you to do. And you might get laid off. It's definitely not sexy. And you won't be satisfied with the work that you're doing. Now, I'm not saying that you need to go start a company because I don't think that is for everybody. But there are a ton, a ton, a ton of up and coming businesses out there that present, provide a huge opportunity for the right high achieving and driven people to come in and make a huge impact. So how do you find those companies? You want to look at their growth trajectory over the last three years. Are they starting to pop up everywhere? Did they recently get funding? Did they recently get a really big customer? Are they starting to appear on social media? Those are some ways that you can find up and coming companies. It's probably going to be in some sort of trade, blue collar trade or outsourced services segment of the industry. And there's so much breadth in there. I'm not going to go into all of it, but there's plenty that you can find something you love in there. And make sure that that company is not virtual. In-person work is going to win in the long term. The people who go to work every day and work in person are just going to be more successful than virtual based companies. Yeah. It's so much easier to have like deep, meaningful conversations when you're in person. Agreed. And why should you do this? Because the blue sky is better than today's salary and perks. Because you'll be more satisfied doing the real work that solves business problems that you have to sink your teeth in rather than just checking the box on today's task list. And then you will be able to learn more because you are doing that kind of work. And in learning more, you become more marketable to the workplace marketplace. You can have pretty much whatever career you want, as long as you continue to solve problems for your employers, you will be able to succeed. And it'll probably happen significantly faster than if you went out and started your own business. Got anything to add to that? No, sir. Don't cough. Yeah, I know I'm trying not to. (laughs) (laughs) So I hope this inspires you to take a look at your career and see if there are opportunities that are out there for you, that excite you, that interest you, that make you want to seize your career by the horns and go find something a little bit more exciting out there. And if you want to find us and discuss any of those opportunities with us on the internet, there are a few ways that you can do that. We are both on social media and you can message us there if you'd like to have personal conversations with us about your life. I'm at Arun D. Kumar on Instagram and Arun Kumar on Facebook and LinkedIn. And Dan, where can people find you? Yeah, I'm Dan LaRue on Facebook and LinkedIn and then Dan underscore LaRue on Instagram. All right. And if you want a little bit more content from us, there are a few ways you can find it. We have a YouTube channel called Driven Diary where we put up a a weekly, basically vlog style video of my life and, and what's happening both with my little bit of my personal life with cars and travel and family. And 
my businesses. So both my investment banking work and, and the shop here at Driven Auto Care and what we're building, I'm sharing the journey from this early stage where I want to capture what it's really like on a day-to-day basis. If you aren't already subscribed to the podcast, please do that. And if you want even more interaction, we have a Discord server, which is called the Driven Network, where we have a 4 a.m. motivational message that gets sent out every single day. And we have a private set of chat rooms dedicated to the discussion of the pursuit of excellence in business, fitness, and cars, and anything else that the most driven people in the world in that group want to discuss. So if you want to get involved in that, you can send either Dan or myself a message and we'll get you added to that group. Anything you want to add? No, sir. Solid episode here. We made it. We made it. The GT500 consider... is still not uh, being bit up. How much time is left? Uh, like 30-ish minutes. Okay. We, we're not going to sit here minutes. for 30 minutes and figure yeah. it out. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's all we got for today. This has been Arun and Dan. We appreciate you listening. And until next time, stay driven.